0: Welcome back to Fireside Football, presented by Empire Sports Media. My name is Brendan Carpenter, as always, and I am here with Dylan Price. Dylan, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing great, Brendan. How are you?
0: Man, I gotta tell you, I am excited for the division today. So, today, we are finishing up the NFC. with talking about the NFC West. And obviously, the teams in that division are the San Francisco 49ers, Arizona Cardinals, Seattle Seahawks, and Los Angeles Rams. Now... I want to start off with the team that I think is going to make the biggest jump in the division, and that is the Cardinals. I mean, this team has a ridiculous ceiling. Uh, they went 5-10-1 last season. Last in the division, obviously. Um, but I was looking at their schedule, you know, weighing their uh, additions versus their losses, and I, I think this team could move all the way up to 9-7 and seven this season. Um I mean obviously they added people like I mean the big name was DeAndre Hopkins who they got in trade from the Houston Texans uh, in which they unloaded uh, David Johnson and his massive contract so I'm curious Dylan do you see the Cardinals taking as big of a jump as I do
1: I completely agree with you I think that the only thing that could hurt them is youth right now because this team has got some firepower and on a personal level there's a lot of players on this team i just like i like kyler murray i liked him coming out of the draft i've always liked Kenyon drake i like d hop i like fitzgerald christian kirk they have wide receiver depth with good people um the only really spot you can make a complaint about them is tight end with max williams because he's not a true proven commodity i mean he's 26 years old he's had some success but he's not been the go-to guy and he's going to be counted on that this year But I think that aside from there, I mean, defense, they are scary. Isaiah Simmons is going to be a game changer for them. I just think that there's so much talent on this team that Cliff Kingsbury is going to have some fun with Murray this year with all those weapons. And then on defense, I think that that defense has an opportunity to be pretty good this year. This team could really, really take a big jump.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you touched on some of the additions they made. Like uh, we spoke about DeAndre Hopkins and uh, Isaiah Simmons. The line, hes listed as a linebacker, but I mean, he lined up at pretty much every single position uh, for Clemson. So he's—he's he's really just a fun piece to move around in that defense. Uh, they also brought in linebacker Devon Kennard, uh, defensive tackle Jordan Phillips, linebacker uh, Devondre Campbell. So this defense has some additions. I think they can be—I think they can be a very solid defense. But I mean, this offense, man, this offense has me excited. I mean Kyler Murray throwing to perhaps the wide receiver with the best hands of all time in Larry Fitzgerald, who actually has more career tackles than he does dropped passes. I mean, that's just ridiculous for a wide receiver. And then you bring along DeAndre Hopkins, who has, I think, the best hands in the NFL uh, right now. I mean, he is just ridiculous. So you pair those two wide, refi- wide receivers up. With a mobile quarterback in Kyler Murray who can buy extra time, this offense can be scary. Uh, We spoke about their additions. Some losses they had, though, uh, were David Johnson, obviously, who was traded to Houston, um, and defensive end uh, Rodney Gunter. Those were the two big losses for them. So, I mean, if you weigh their additions and their losses, they added a lot more talent than they lost. Um, I mean, I know I'm just repeating the same thing here, man, but I'm excited for the Cardinals. Me too. This, um,
1: it's got so much potential. Like, I keep looking at the roster right now, and I'm going over it, and I'm looking at it, all the guys that are just talented. Like, their running back room, they have Eno Benjamin, Chase Edmonds, two young backs behind Drake. So even if Drake struggles, you've got two guys. Edmonds had success last year. And it seemed like even when Johnson went down, I mean, correct me if I'm wrong here, but didn't it seem like every back they had was having success?
0: Yeah, it seemed like every back that they put – um behind Kyler Murray really just played well I mean not top level running back status but they all contributed a great amount to that team I you know I I don't know where this team could go wrong I think this team just has so much ahead of them and you know I was looking at their schedule for this upcoming season and you know they start off on the road against San Francisco that's gonna be a tough game but after that I mean their next four games home against Washington home against Detroit, away against Carolina, and away against the Jets. I mean, I, I think they could win all four of those games to start off 4-1 and one, uh, before playing Dallas and Seattle before their bye week. I mean, this team, I think they have a favorable schedule for where they are now. And, uh, you know, I don't think they're going to win this division, but I think they're going to push for a, a wild
1: card spot. I would not be surprised at all. I think this team... And and I'm looking right now, and really the one big weak spot that sticks out to me is the offensive line, because you've got a guy like Josh Jones, who's probably going to be trusted to end up becoming either the left tackle or right tackle of the future. He's going to come in and start right away. I liked him, but other than that, you've got some vets who, I mean, DJ Humphreys is pretty good, but you don't have a vet like superstar. These are vets who have been capable lineman their whole career but could struggle but I mean with Murray's mobility it's going to cancel out a little bit but like you just said the real factor that's going to make them competitive other than the offensive firepower and the improved defense is this schedule and I'm looking at it right now you touched on those four games they've got Miami they've got Buffalo which could be a competitive game Uh, they got Philly the Rams who we're going to talk about in a little bit and we're not the highest on And the Giants, I mean, they've got games that they could win. They can compete, and I think this is a team that could push and shock and really make the playoffs.
0: I really hope so. There's a lot of players in this team that I just absolutely love to watch and uh, I'm excited to see. Now, going off of that, um, I have DeAndre Hopkins as my offensive player to watch this upcoming season. He was obviously um, arguably the best receiver in football uh, the past couple seasons when he's played for Houston. And going to a new team, paired with an all-time great wide receiver in Larry Fitzgerald, I think Hopkins uh, is the reason, the main reason that this offense has taken the um, the huge jump roster-wise. Um, production-wise, I think he's going to have another big season. Maybe a little bit of a dip in numbers uh, for catches, uh, because there is a Larry Fitzgerald, and a Christian Kirk, too, at the third wide receiver spot they're going to be competing for reception, so I think his catches could go down, his yards maybe a little bit, but I think overall, he's going to be happier in Arizona uh, with the play style going forward.
1: Me, I have Kirk, though. I'm going to go... A little deferring here because I think Hopkins is going to be good, but I think that they're going to put so much attention, defenses are going to put so much attention on Hopkins and Fitzgerald that they're going to leave out a guy who had 68 receptions last year. He had 709 yards, which are solid numbers, but looking at a couple of his last games before the end of the season, He had 85 yards in one game, 60 yards in another. It seemed like he was finding more of a rhythm with Murray if you even just look at their connection towards the end of the season. I mean, there's an anomaly of having one poor game against Seattle where he was kind of off injured-wise, and one game against the Rams where he kind of struggled. But really, it seemed like Kirk was starting to find a rhythm towards the end of last season, and even watching them play a few times, you could kind of see him and uh, Murray were kind of having a better timing towards the end of the season. And if they can iron that out, I think... You're going to have so much attention on Hopkins and Fitzgerald and even guys below Kirk could compete for receptions like Isabella and Butler are going to be in there as well but I think Kirk's going to be the slot guy Kirk's going to be the guy who he might play a little more in the red zone too because of his size versus you know two tight end set you might have Kirk and then add another receiver in there because they don't really have a lot of tight end depth I think Kirk's going to get a lot of opportunity to have some success this year and if I'm playing fantasy football and Kirk's on the board, I would draft him. I think that there's going to be an opportunity for some red zone targets too this year.
0: Well, yeah, I mean, you hit it right on the head. You spoke about how there's going to be you know, added um, coverage to Larry Fitzgerald and uh, DeAndre Hopkins this upcoming season, which could open up more uh, op- opportunities for Christian Kirk and Andy Isabella, but also you got to think about this. If those receivers are, let's just say, locked up, well, that's a very hard thing to do with DeAndre Hopkins, but let's say they're locked up you know, double coverage, whatnot. I mean, Kyler Murray can go ahead and run with it with no problem. He loves to run the ball. And it's not like you have a guy back there that is a pocket passer. You have Kyler Murray who can do anything with his legs or his arms. So, I mean, yeah, you could play great coverage against these receivers, but what are you going to do after that? You can't have everyone watching the receivers with no one watching the quarterback or vice versa. So it's going to be tough for defenses to go against uh, this offense.
1: Do you think Moving he's going to gonna the... have a Lamar Jackson-type jump this year?
0: <sighs> That's tough. I, I I don't think anyone can predict that. I don't think anyone can ever predict a jump like Lamar Jackson had, who got a lot of criticism as a rookie that he was, quote-unquote, a running back. And then he comes out week one, and, I mean, he just torched the uh, Miami Dolphins. He played week one last season, and he just torched them with his arm. I mean— that's tough. That's tough. I I would want to say yes, but I don't think I can just because that's such a hard thing to guess. I mean, do you see him taking the Lamar Jackson jump?
1: I don't know. I'm I'm on the same page with you. We're thinking about the question more. It it's a it's a hard question to answer because it it the offensive line really is playing a factor for me because I don't love a lot of the talent on that offensive line, but I think that. He's going to have success this year. And he was competitive in games that nobody expected them to really compete last year. And I do think it's because of him and that connection with Kingsbury. And I I think he's going to have a big year, but I don't know if it'll be a Lamar-type jump because, like you said, you can't project that. That was an incredible leap. But I think he's going to have a very big year. I'd put him in offensive player of the year conversation, maybe, if he has an electric year with both sides of the ball. But I think that... He's not a proven commodity yet. Year three, I think he's going to be a guy who's definitely in the offensive player of the year conversation. But next year, it's going to be borderline unless he takes that big jump. But I think he's going to have a very big year.
0: Yeah, I think there's no doubt that he's going to have an improvement. I mean, I don't see this team. I see this team pushing for a wild card spot. I don't see them pushing to be a Super Bowl contender. I think you're going to have to wait another season or two uh, to see, you know, see everyone mesh together and see what they're, you know, they're fully capable of doing. So, my defensive player to watch for the Cardinals is Isaiah Simmons. Uh, you know, as we said, the do-it-all linebacker from Clemson. He's played linebacker. You know, he's played some slot corner. He can rush the, pass, um, rush the passer. He can play in coverage. I mean, there's nothing that this man can't do. So, I'm excited to see uh, if Isaiah Simmons, in fact, lines up as a linebacker for most of his time on the field. Or if he plays somewhere else. Because, you know, I don't, once again... I can't predict that just like I can't predict Kyler Murray's um, you know, season. Uh, who does who do you have as a defensive player to watch?
1: Uh I want to I wanted to think about Isaiah Simmons, but I'm going to go a little different here. I am going to go with Chandler Jones. It's hard to watch a guy who or look at a guy who might break out, but or in a guy who had 19 sacks last year, but 8 force fumbles. 19 sacks he's a game wrecker and i think that sometimes he's kind of slept on and i think that next year there's going to be a lot more eyes on this team as well and i think that you know he's only 30 it feels like he's been in the league forever but he's in his prime right now and last season he was a freak on the field and i think that next season if he can you know utilize devon Kennard and isaiah simmons as running mates I think that's going to open things up more for him because he hasn't had that running mate well in Arizona. And Devon Kennard, seven sacks last year. Isaiah Simmons was absolutely electric at Clemson. And, you know, you add a guy like Devondre Campbell who's capable of producing off the edge as well. And I think you're going to have a kind of mix that's going to really, really give Chandler Jones the opportunity to have some success next year. So that's my pick for somebody to watch.
0: I'm telling you, man, anyone that you picked for offense or defense, you can't go wrong with this team. They just have so much upside and excitement. Agreed. Let's move on here, though. I don't want to spend the entire time talking about the Cardinals. <laughs> uh, I think we should follow up, though, with uh, the 49ers, who obviously lost in the Super Bowl last season to Kansas City. They had a very good season. They finished 13-3. and uh, Jimmy Garoppolo looks like he's the franchise quarterback for that team, uh, with no question about it. Um, But they had some big losses. I mean, you know, they lost wide receiver Emmanuel Sanders, who's now in New Orleans, uh, wide receiver Marquise Goodwin, defensive end DeForest Buckner, excuse me, and running back Matt Breida. So, I mean, you know, they lost some talent, mostly on the offensive side of the ball. uh, But they did add uh, Trent Williams, the offensive tackle that they got in the trade from Washington, and wide receiver Travis Benjamin, who's probably, I think, could fill in for Marquise Goodwin uh, quite well. So I mean, do you see this team pushing for a Super Bowl again? Do you see them taking a step back? What do you see here?
1: I think in terms of record, they'll step back a game or two. Uh 13 and 3 is hard to replicate. Um but I think it's going to be around 12 and 4. That's about where I had them. But You know, looking at that team and, you know, Matt Breida, yeah, he's gone, but you still have Jarek McKinnon and Tevin Coleman behind Raheem Mostert, who had an incredible run in the playoffs, and Jeff Wilson behind them, who's actually a very dynamic back. And, you know, so much talent in the wide receiver room. You know, they did lose uh, Emmanuel Sanders, who was their vet presence last year. But they have so much young talent, you know, you touched on, and they lost Marquise Goodwin, but you touched on Travis Benjamin could fit in as the speedster role. Trent Taylor and Dante Pettis could be kind of slot guys if you need them to be. But a guy I'm watching is Brandon Ayuk on that mixture of them, uh, because he's so fast, he could kind of really play off Debo Samuel, and I think that that's going to be something that takes this offense to a higher level in terms of... mm, lofting Jimmy Garoppolo up a little more because last season, especially in the playoffs, I mean, 8 he only threw the ball eight times in one game during the, in the NFC Championship, and Mostert h- had his way, and, and he really seemingly did that the whole playoffs. And I think that they'll be able to replicate some of that, but I think that really the, the wide receiver room and George Kittle is going to take jimmy g to another level next year and i think that they're they're going to be in the super Bowl conversation again if not my team to watch in the nfc to win the super Bowl.
0: well yeah i mean the problem uh for me with the 49ers is their offense i mean their defense is top five in the nfl i don't think that's up for discussion i think they are spectacular um obviously led by nick bosa and richard sherman but i mean this offense like you said there was a game where he threw less than 10 passes I mean, you can't win. You can't win games like that most most of the time, and you know, you touched on Brandon Ayuk, who I have as my offensive player to watch. I mean, you know, the rookie out of Arizona State. Uh, I think he can be very good um, for the 49ers. but you know, um, much less, much less confidence in this wide receiver room. I think um, with Emmanuel Sanders gone, they don't really have a veteran presence that can lead everybody, and you know. I mean, that's going to hurt. That's going to hurt the offense. I don't have them at 12-4. and four. I have them... This might get me into some trouble here. have them at, like, 10-6, and 11-5. Um, you know, I think they drop a couple games. They're going to be a playoff team. I think that's a given. I don't see them pushing for a Super Bowl, though. I have them, you know, maybe winning a game, losing in the uh, divisional round. Um, you know, depending on where their record is. But I don't see them pushing for a Super Bowl. Uh, I mean... Off of that, my defensive player to watch, I think, is Nick Bosa. I mean, he had a great year last year. He's a real disruptor uh, at the defensive end position. And I think if, you know, if he puts another great year uh, behind him this season, I think he solidifies himself as a top five, maybe top three, maybe the best defensive end in football. Uh, he's very young. He's very good. And, you know, the 49ers have. A real disruptor to look forward to having for uh the foreseeable future do you do you agree that do you think nick bosa uh can be a top five top three defensive end of football if he isn't already
1: well i i think the nick bosa hype is going to take it to another level this year because that defensive line i think is going to continue to be the force they were last season but with that said i wouldn't call him one of the top guys just yet. I do think you're right. I think he's on that trajectory, just not yet. Not last season 9 sacks isn't enough for me to put him in the conversation yet. Yes, he was disruptive as all hell, especially towards the end of the season, but I think that it's going to take a very very big season for me to put him in that conversation, but I give him 2 years. I give him by his third year, I think we're going to be talking about him this time next year as a guy who's about to vault himself into the conversation. But I think there is going to be a little bit of a drop-off right away in his production because of how feared he really is and because the defensive line did have a little bit of a blow in my eyes. DeForest Buckner is now an Indianapolis Cole, and I feel like that's something that's a little bit slept on. Yes, they traded him. They ended up with Javon Kinlaw, who I do like a lot. But I think that there's going to be growing pains at the start. And is that something you want with a team that was just a Super Bowl contender? Because they were just there with that defensive line that was incredible last year. And now you're going to have to kind of mesh together again. If they do it right away, this team's not going to miss a beat. But I think if Javon Kinlaw doesn't play into Boza, Thomas, and Armstead's style right away, and D forward as well, I think if he doesn't play into that style right away on that defensive line, I think there's going to be a little bit of a hiccup early. But aside from that, uh, you did touch on the wide receiver room, and I just forgot entirely, Debo Samuel is out with a foot injury, and it could impact him at the start of the season. And I think that that could be something, too, to watch, because if it acts up again you are right on the aspect of they don't have that veteran presence that they had in Emmanuel Sanders. Albeit he did not have a lot of success last year, but he was able to kind of mentor Samuel, mentor some of these younger guys like Dante Pettis as well. And I think that there could be a bit of a drop-off on offense because, like you said, their wide receiver room doesn't have a ton of depth. I like the guys in the room. I don't know if they are going to be able to keep up if Samuel's out, though. But, yeah, so I think... Talking, though, back to the defense, I think that if Kinlaw meshes right away, they're not going to miss a beat, and Bose is going to have success, but I think that Boza's feared a little more now in the league, and I think Kinlaw as well, having to mesh with the group, could hurt Boza's jump this year.
0: Yeah, well, you touched upon uh, the potential growing pains there at the defensive front, and away from the 49ers, I'm going to have a growing pain uh, dealing with DeForest Buckner on the Colts. I feel like that's just going to look so weird to start the season seeing him in a Colts yeah. jersey. <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, this 49ers defense is still great. Um, let's move on here to the Seahawks, who I believe most people have as the main competitor with the 49ers for winning that division. The Seahawks went 11-5 and last year. They lost in the divisional round to the Green Bay Packers by a score of 28-23, uh, a week before the Packers got embarrassed in the NFC Championship game. Now, they added some people. You know, they added tight end Greg Olson, who I'm going to touch on uh, a little bit later. Uh, Linebacker Bruce Irvin is making his return to Seattle. I'm super excited for that. Uh, Cornerback Quentin Dunbar, running back Carlos Hyde, wide receiver Philip Dorsett. Those are some of the names that have been added to this Seattle team. Now, the losses here are a little interesting because most of the losses that I'm going to talk about are currently free agents and have not signed with another team. So they're technically losses, but they could be back. You don't know. Uh, They lost, obviously, Jadavion Clowney, who's a free agent, and still has not gotten a contract. Defensive end Ezekiel Ansah is also a free agent, and linebacker Michael Kendricks is a free agent. Uh, Really, the main two losses they have that are on different teams right now are George Fant and DJ Fluker, both offensive linemen. What are your expectations for the Seahawks with – these additions that I mentioned and the losses that could potentially come back, but uh, we'll see going forward. So in
1: terms of losses, I think that you just touched on two guys immediately that kind of jumped out to me, Jadavian Clowney and Ezekiel Anza, who were their main real pass rush producers last year. I think that I really liked, and this is my defensive player to watch while I'm on the subject of it, Jordan Brooks. I really loved that pick. I think that His speed and versatility is going to make him be the poor man's Isaiah Simmons of this year's draft class, because I think they're going to be able to use him all over the board. And I think he will be used off the edge, so I think that there's a little less fear in their hearts of moving forward without Clowney or Anza, but I think that, you know, Bruce Irvin, he had a big year last year. I don't know if, um, or sorry, I was thinking of Robert Quinn, but Bruce Irvin did have a solid year last year, but he him and Brooks who could potentially be there and Jerron Reed I don't think they're going to be enough to cushion the loss of Clowney because I think that as much as people think that Clowney you know he's not the big sack producer and he doesn't deserve to get paid what he wants because of that he's still a force off the edge he disrupts the pass a lot he has a lot of QB hits and a lot of play in the backfield that is one to watch I think he's one of the most prolific pass rushers in football. And I think that he struggled to put it all together. But if he ever does, he's going to be incredible. But I think that sometimes it seems like he takes plays off. And I think that's why he's not getting the money he wants. But not talking about Clowney here, I think that there are marriages that needs to happen. Clowney would come back, and I would actually really like this defense. But... If he doesn't come back, I think they're going to struggle a little bit. If Jordan Brooks has a breakout year, then this will be different. But I think that Clowney is the guy, or Anza with Irvin and Brooks wouldn't be awful. But I think that Clowney is the guy who would be ideal in this defense to make it elite. Um, It's already pretty solid, but Clowney I think would take it to another level. And as for offense, losing George Fant isn't going to kill them. Uh, it's really not. Brandon Shell is who they added to replace him, who you and I know well as the Jets' former right tackle, and we know sometimes he can be a revolving door and just let anybody in the backfield. So I don't have high hopes for their replacement there, but uh, not to talk too negatively about them because I do think they're going to have a very successful season. But my question for you to kind of counter back, though, is do you think Clowney should go back to Seattle?
0: I think he should. I do. Um, I think Seattle ultimately wants him back. Um, like you said, you know, it's a marriage. I think he would fit well back in Seattle. I don't see him getting – you know, he's gradually brought down uh, what he wants money-wise. I think it's going to eventually lead him back to Seattle. I do. Um, but he's not my defensive player to watch, though, if he comes back. My defensive player to watch, maybe not production wise, but just out of pure excitement, is Bruce Irvin, who was a big part of that defense in the early 2010s, you know, when they were a Super Bowl winner and a Super Bowl runner up. And Bruce Irvin coming back to Seattle, I think, is perfect. Um, I think fans are going to like seeing him back on the field for that defense. And I'm really excited to see what he does back in a Seattle uniform. Um, now, moving to offense offense was tough for me because i wanted to say russell wilson but i feel like that's just a basic pick for offense so i'm going to go with greg olsen at tight end because they haven't had a really solid tight end in a while i mean they've had a couple you know decent tight ends who have played well uh but you know the jimmy graham experiment didn't really go the way they hoped uh greg Olson's an older tight end i believe he's 35 uh he's been in the league for a while um I don't think he's going to have a huge season for Seattle, but, you know, I think hopefully for them it'll go better in the Jimmy Graham experiment, which was so up and down. And I think, you know, he's going to be relied on pretty heavily for this offense. I mean, they have Tyler Lockett, a wide receiver. They have DK Metcalf, who had a great rookie season. And, you know, I think third in receptions should be Greg Olson, if he can stay healthy and stay on the field. I think he can provide a great... Um, option for Russell Wilson, at least as a check down guy, maybe, because, you know, Wilson likes to run out of the pocket and scramble a little bit. Do you think that Greg Olson is going to go better than the Jimmy Graham experiment? I mean, it's tough for me because Greg Olson, you know, was very good for Carolina early in his career, but obviously he's older, he's around 35, and, you know, I'm curious, do you think that he can help this offense or do you think he's going to be more of a burden Uh,
1: i don't think he'll be a burden because no matter what i think olsen's going to be a mentor for a guy like jacob holster or hollister i don't know, know the best way to pronounce that last name uh i think it is hollister but nonetheless i think that he is going to kind of be a mentor for him will disley and kind of be in charge. Colby Parkinson, too, from Stanford, he's pretty good. I think that this is really a transition year for that tight end room. I think he's going to have a solid year. Not great, but I think he'll have a solid year. Um, but I don't think he's going to have a year that's going to make anybody go, oh, my God, Greg Olson is incredible. But I think his role is really going to be more of a mentorship role. I think it'll work out better than the Graham experiment because he's a veteran who can kind of you know, be that... Asset in terms of being a mentor and also being a asset on the field because he was last season he wasn't incredible but he was productive and I think that the big thing with Olsen though too is he's got one foot on the field and one foot in the booth he was exceptional in the booth last year when he did it a little bit and he also was exceptional um, I think he did a little bit of the XFL games if I'm wrong correct me but I thought he has been very good in the booth when he's been in the booth and I think that that's kind of the way he's trending and I think that this year is more of a mentorship role, transitional tight end year for Seattle. But my check down guy, you, you mentioned him as a check down guy. My guy for them, like a check down weapon, would be Rashad Penny or Carlos Hyde as a receiving back in the backfield. I don't know if he'll use Olson much as a check down. I think Olson's real benefit is going to be in the red zone because they have a lot of speed guys in David Moore, Philip Dorsett, Metcalf's really a speed guy as well, Tyler Lockett. So I don't think that he'll make a big impact as a check down guy. I really think he's going to be their lone star red zone threat, in my opinion.
0: You spoke about Carlos Hyde a little bit being a check down guy. How much do you see him being used in this offense with the depth that they have at running back? So I am
1: going to turn this back to you in a second, but I— I think Hyde's going to get some use. I think that their real their real plan last year, I think, going into the season was to do a running back by committee approach, like a lot of teams that have had success have done. And I think that it's kind of emerged more as Chris Carson being that lead back. He is in his final year on his contract, but... Last season, 1,230 yards, seven touchdowns in the backfield. And he was electric, in my opinion. I thought he was actually, had a very solid year. He was one of the top backs, in my opinion, last season that didn't get talked about enough. And I think he's going to be their lead back next year. And they're going to run through him. I think Penny and Hyde are going to struggle a little bit in terms of getting carries because of that. But, you know, Carlos Hyde, he also had 1,000 yards last year. I think he's going to be the second back. I think at some point Penny might even get traded because I think he's been struggling. But I think that they'll get reps, but not as much. So, my question to you is the same thing in terms of Hyde, but also do you think Chris Carson is going to have a year where he gets in the conversation of being one of the top backs in football?
0: I think Carson's going to have a solid season. I don't see him getting into that conversation, though, for best back. I think there's way too many, you know, all pro out of this world running backs that he'd have to pass. I mean, there's people like Christian McCaffrey, Saquon Barkley, Dalvin Cook. I mean, there's just, there's too many. I think he could be a top 10 running back towards that seven, eight, or nine spot. I don't see him being top five though. Uh, But he's a very solid running back for this team and he fits their system well. Uh, You spoke about, you know, Carlos Hyde and Penny uh, fighting for time. And I think that that's going to be the main competition in that backfield. I think Carson is the clear number one in that committee, and Hyde and Carson, excuse me, Hyde and Penny, are going to have to fight for that. And you said Hyde had a 1,000 yards last season in a season where he was moving around a lot. He didn't really have much consistency in where he was playing. So, you know, if he stays with Seattle this season, he'll have a little bit more uh, comfort, abid- comfortability. Excuse me. Wow. Uh, with Seattle so i think that you know he could be a big part of this offense now okay here this is where this is where it gets tricky because the la Rams i have finishing fourth in that division right i think you yes. do as well and the Rams were in the Super Bowl just a couple seasons ago i mean their downfall hasn't been drastic but they're certainly not the team that they were when they were in the super Bowl I mean, if you look at some of these losses that they've had this offseason, I mean, they lost Brandon Cooks, their speedy wide receiver, running back Todd Gurley, Dante Fowler Jr., Nickel Roby Coleman, Corey Littleton, and their kicker Greg Zerline, who's I think is one of the top kickers in football still. I mean, you lose so much talent. You do bring along Ashawn Robinson and Leonard Floyd, but those were the only two additions that they've had in free agency. So... This team certainly, in my opinion, did not get better. I mean, I don't even think they stayed the same. I think they got worse. They finished nine and seven last season. I I mean, I think that they could potentially push for seven and nine, but I have them more around six and ten. Where do you see the Rams? Uh,
1: I wanted to do six and ten, but I'm actually going to change it up with a bolder comment here, and I think it's going to be a five and eleven. I think it's going to be a bad year for Los Angeles, and it's not because I really don't like this team. Because this division, you touched on at the start of this, this division has potential to be one of the best in football. But I think it's, A, that they have six games against three teams who are incredibly talented. The Seahawks and the Niners are both safe bets to probably make a playoff push. Nonetheless, you're also going to have Arizona in there, who has a very high ceiling, as we've raved about for a third of this show. But Los Angeles has six games that are going to be incredibly tough. And then you also have a transition to a new stadium. And I think the big aspect, too, is they have not been the same team since Todd Gurley had arthritis. And then Todd Gurley, you know, last season was not himself. And it's about what they do at the running back position this year that's going to change my perspective of things for them. Because I think that defense is going to be fine. I really do. I think the defense is going to have success. I think that, unfortunately, um... The fall guy was the defensive coordinator, Wade Phillips, and he's gone now, and they're going with a young guy who was under Vic Fangio, so there's going to be a little bit of a learning curve at first, but I think they're going to be fine, but I think really it's going to be a bad year because they don't have that dynamic offensive piece. Jared Goff is a good quarterback. He's he's always going to be a productive game manager quarterback, but... Todd Gurley took him to another level and took them to a Super Bowl, in my opinion. And unless Cam Akers, who is my offensive player to watch, can step up and be their lead back of the future, which I think he will end up being, but I don't think this year will be the breakout year. Unless he can step up and that offensive line cannot regress, because I think there might be a little bit of a regression because of age, especially with their anchor, Andrew Whitworth. I think that if the offensive line doesn't regress and Akers steps up, then this team could be a decent team, but I just don't have a lot of faith in Los Angeles.
0: Yeah, Akers is my offensive player to watch, too, uh, for two reasons. One, this running back competition is wide open with him and Daryl Henderson. And two, we share the same birthday, so that's amazing. Um... But, you know, just looking at their schedule here, I mean, they have a span of three games twice this season in which they could lose, you know, all six games. They start off the season against Dallas. That could be a loss. Start off against, you know, second game they play Philly, who I think has gotten better than they were last season. I mean, Philly could be tough, especially, you know, since it's in Philadelphia. And then after that, they travel to Buffalo to play the Bills, and, you know, Buffalo's not the easiest place to play, so... They could potentially start off the season 0-3 there. And then later in the season, they have a stretch where, you know, after playing the Dolphins, which could, you know, most likely be a win, they then have to play the Seahawks, the Buccaneers, and then the 49ers in three straight games, which is very tough. So, I mean, those are six games where they could potentially lose all six. And that's, you know, getting away from the other games, that's six losses already, and, you know, it's hard. It's hard to come back from that. Um, I mean... You know, I want to I wanna vote for the Rams. You know, I was voting for them against the Patriots <laughs> in the Super Bowl. Uh, Jared Goff, as you said, is a good game manager quarterback. He's not going to be, you know, a quarterback to, you know, put the team on his back and really carry them. He needs weapons around him. He still has Robert Woods. Uh, he still has Cooper Cup, who has shown some very good flashes. But, you know, there's no consistency at running back now, so we'll see what happens there. As for the defense, obviously they have Aaron Donald, who is, I still think, the best defensive lineman in football. Uh, And, you know, my defense player to watch, though, is going to be Jalen Ramsey, the cornerback. I mean, you know, he came over from Jacksonville, did not play a full season with the Rams last season. He'll have a full season this year. And I think Ramsey is, you know, he's going to be very good for the secondary. I think that, you know, you have to have, as I said, uh, I forget if it was last episode or the episode before— You really need a number one cornerback in this league in order to be a competitive defense. And Ramsey is that number one cornerback. There's no question about it. So he's not going to be a guy that's going to, you know, put up the big interception numbers. But he's going to be a guy that plays very tight coverage and has his uh, pass breakups. So it's tough because the Rams aren't a bad team. But I think that they are the worst team in this division. This is a very, very good division potentially coming up in. You know, it's going to be tough for them to get back to that playoff contending level. So, you know, I think we should go through real quick, once again, uh, our record predictions for each team. Uh, let's start off with the 49ers, who we both have winning the division. You said you have them at 12-4, yep. and four, is that correct? 12-4 and four sounds good with me. Um... I think they're going to be... They're definitely, I think, going to have at least 10 wins. I think that they're going to be a double-digit win team. I have them at 11-5, and five, potentially 12-4 and four as well. I think they win that division. Um, you know, I think Seattle... It's tough, because Seattle is also a team that could be pushing for 11 wins again. Um, this might sound a little bit, you know, taking the easy way out here, but I think that they finish a game behind San Francisco. I think San Francisco is going to be the, w- the winner again. I think Seattle is going to be very close behind them. I think Seattle is also a double-digit win team again. So, you know, let's just say we have the 49ers at 12-4. and 4. I have Seattle going at 11-5. and 5. Um, Do you see them being a yes, double digit? again? I think
1: Seattle is going to be right behind San Francisco, whether it's a game or two. I think they're going to be a double-digit win team. I had them at 10-6, and six, two games behind San Francisco, just because I think that they're going to probably drop one of the games against San Francisco and uh, maybe both, and I think that that could play a factor. But I think that they're going to be a kind of team that could take San Francisco out in a divisional round game because, A, you can't beat the same team three times. It's very rare to happen. But as well as the fact that this team is very, very good in terms of veteran leadership, mostly because of Russell Wilson, but also because of Pete Carroll, and I think that this team's just always finds a way to be good. Just like the Patriots, they're one of those teams that just always finds a way to be competitive, so I think they're going to have a good year.
0: Yeah, they do always find a way to be competitive. Like you said, like the Patriots and even the Steelers last season, who had no consistency at quarterback, and they put together a solid season. Now, before we move on here, do you see Russell Wilson potentially getting an MVP finally, either this season or in a couple seasons from now? I mean, he still hasn't gotten one, and he's played like one pretty much every season.
1: My bold prediction is going to be... You know what? I'm going to go yes. I think that this year... I really like Philip Dorsett in that offense, and I think that he's going to step up as a slot guy this year. This is the best wide receiver core he's had since that Super Bowl run when he had Curse and he had... um lock it and he had other guy i'm probably gonna miss here but this is a really good receiving core for him so yeah i'm actually gonna go bold here and say he'll be in the mvp conversation and last season he had an incredible year i think it'll come down to him and mahomes for the mvp this year and i think i'm gonna go wilson might get it this year i think he does get it actually
0: now also seattle has been a team that has been mentioned in trade rumors with Jamal Adams. If they were to want to go out and acquire Jamal Adams, what do you think they would have to give up to make uh, that happen?
1: Uh, I wanted to say Lockett. My, that was my first jump conclusion, but I don't think they'd give up Lockett. I think it'd be definitely a first, because I don't know if there's anybody big on that team other than Lockett or uh, Carson that they'd even ask for. I don't think they'd ask for Carson, though, in a contract year. Maybe lock it a third and Rashad Penny or lock it like a fourth and Rashad Penny. I think that would be like a package that would be okay because you'd get Rashad Penny and see if he has potential to be that go-to back of the future for the Jets and maybe pair him with like a LaMichael Pirine and they'd have a good duo back there. And then you're going to need a first, I think, in any package unless you get a dynamic player to get the deal done. So that'd be like an ideal package, I think, for both sides that's semi-realistic. But I I mean, it would take the defense to an incredible level. I mean, their safety position is kind of weak. But I think that, uh, I don't know, I, Seattle could be a team to watch in that race. You know, I, I never want to, I never know what to say with Seattle because I really don't know what goes through their head sometimes because they're so consistent that it's, they have a mold of players they like, so I don't know if, jamal would fit in that mold or maybe he will and he'll be a great seahawk but i think that uh i don't know if it would happen but i think that that would be the kind of package what about you what do you think a package looks like for him from seattle
0: yeah i think there's there's got to be a first round pick in there i mean i've seen a bunch of mock trades online and a lot of them have tyler lockett i mean i think they would have to give i think a lockett Lockett and a first could be the potential trade for Jamal Adams if that happens. I don't think they'd have to pair anyone else into that trade if they do give Lockett and a first. I think that would be enough. Um, I don't know, man. I mean, there's been a lot going on with Jamal Adams, and I just have no idea where this is gonna go. Okay, so back to the divisional standings here. <laughs> I have the Cardinals finishing third. I have them at nine and seven. Uh, I don't think they're a double-digit win team. I think they take a huge step from last season, go from five wins to nine. I think this offense just has too much upside um, to not be on board with them. I think that they're going to be a very exciting team. Do you see them getting to 9-7 uh, yeah, as Yeah, well? I think
1: that that ceiling could take them a little higher, but not much higher than 9-7. and seven. I think they'll be a good team, though.
0: All right, now, this is the part that's going to get you in trouble, Dylan. What is your... Once again, what's your record uh, prediction for Five and the
1: Rams? eleven. I am I- sticking with it. I, I don't want to back down and I'm sorry to the minimal Los Angeles Rams fans out there, but uh I, I gotta go <laughs> five and eleven. How about you, Brendan?
0: Man, five and eleven <laughs> is harsh. It's funny. I have them at six and ten, and that's only one game ahead of five and eleven, but it sounds it so much worse. It better. sounds worse to say five it and eleven for them man five and 11 just sounds like you just have no hope in them all right regardless we, we we all agree on the standings for the nfc west 49ers seahawks cardinals and then rams wow man i mean this this division is going to be exciting to see for this upcoming season and for seasons to come i mean there's just so much potential from each team agreed so that about does it for us i mean thanks for joining us uh next week we're going to start going over the afc divisions so stay tuned for that uh dylan where can the people so reach you the on people social can media find
1: me on twitter at dylan 27 and you can find me writing about the new york jets on empire sports media and finding me talking about a little bit of nascar as well how about you brendan
0: you can find me on twitter at Brenton carp esm and i also write for empire sports media covering the new york jets uh, i haven't written a article in a little bit been a little slow not much news going on with the jets outside of jamal adams i can only write about that so much but uh thanks for joining us and we'll see you next week